What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here. We've got an exciting episode today. It is my honor to welcome Dr. Lucille Burbank. She's an educational media consultant and best-selling author of The Inside Secrets of Sesame Street and Secrets from Sesame Street's Pioneers. She's worked with organizations ranging from NASA to Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. How are you today, Lucille? Oh, I am doing just fine. I really am. It's Friday, which is always fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're recording on a Friday, although the episode is airing at the beginning of the week. So you're getting our Friday energy. I absolutely love it. Lucille, it is an honor to have you on the show. And I'm so excited for you to share with our listeners. Tell us your story. How did you get started? And how did you work with all of these organizations from NASA to Sesame Street? Well, let me tell you, I was one of those lucky ones to find my career at a very young age. Mm. Um, You know, when people ask me how I got into the field of educational media, I explained to them, well, it was because of one professor Talk about someone can make a difference. A person can always make a difference, and teachers do. Yes. Her name was, uh, she's she's late professor now, but anyway, her name is uh, Professor Eileen Needlin. And I started my career, my education, at a two-year college. It was just what I thought I needed. It was all girls' school, which I really enjoyed. And um, so I was majoring in early childhood education. And I'm, I'm really having doubts because I'm really realizing that um, maybe I would only be able to teach in a nursery school or something like that. And I really wanted to expand my breath. So I took a course of Professor Nealon's. Um, she taught children's literature. And in her class, I was often asked to read aloud and to act out stories. Mm-hmm. And I loved these assignments. So she she was watching me and observing me. And she was the head of the radio and television department at Endicott Junior College. Oh, wow. And yeah, and you were allowed to, the first year, if you didn't like your major, you were allowed to switch. So she said to me, why don't you go? I've been looking at you. Why don't you go into radio and television? Oh, wow. Yes, yes. (laughs) How did you react to that? Oh, I felt like I was home. Oh, my gosh. I was home. I could not (laughs) believe it. And she had me play all different parts, a newscaster, be a children's host on a children's, pretend a children's TV show. Um do late night programming kind of skits and I loved it. So that started out my work in educational media because it, I didn't go right into children's television right away. Mm -hmm. I um, worked in educational media uh, doing some consultation for NASA and um, the New Jersey uh, civil, um, Liberties Union and things like that. But um, 
eventually, when I was getting my doctorate, my another again professor intervened on my behalf, and he said to me, "Hey." I know you want to go to Sesame Street. I know you want to work there. And so I... Now, had you shared that before? Yes. That that was one of your aspirations? Yes. I grew up loving uh, Big Bird, (laughs) you know? Yeah. yeah. I know I did, and I I know so many of our listeners did as well. But Lucille, you started out thinking you were going to become a teacher. Did you ever imagine that your career would take this direction and that you would end up in this world? No, no. It, um, the only glimpse I got was when Professor Nealon said to me, I want you to go into media, specifically children's television. And the intuitive feeling was, oh, my gosh, that's the field for me. Oh, that's great. And then I just went from there. And it was really good just starting out at a two-year college because I really needed to get into the field and immerse myself because a lot of it is practice and work Mm -hmm. and so forth. Sure. But, you know, you asked me, one of the questions you asked me, you said, what was your greatest challenge in this field? And my greatest challenge was becoming an author. First, it was writing, doing my dissertation. And this dissertation was really something that really started me in children's television, finally, because I decided to study three successful television series uh, for children. Um, Captain Kangaroo was on uh, Sesame yes, Street. I yes, <laughs> Sesame Street, mm-hmm. of course, and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And so when I decided, and I was also able to get a scholarship to conduct a bigger study than I, you know, orig- had originally planned. So I interviewed. On each of the three shows, I interviewed the creators of Sesame Street, and I got to interview Fred Rogers, who is the creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and then all the producers and the puppeteers, the talent, the writers. I mean, I was in heaven, and they, yeah, and they love to talk. Oh, my God. Gosh, they would give me three to four hour interviews. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we'll talk about Mr. Rogers, and I'm so excited to do so. But let's get back to this story. So your professor presents this idea. You want to go work on Sesame Street. So what happens next? Oh, gee. You know, again, another professor intervened in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, people that contribute to other people's lives are just angels and we all try and do that yeah so uh he um is uh dr roger gordon at temple university in philadelphia that's where i went to school and i he knew i loved it so he said okay we're gonna plan a field visit and i'm gonna make sure we go to sesame street as we're touring new york city Oh my gosh, sounds like a dream come true. I know, I know. This is what I mean. I've had two professors that changed the course of my life. Oh, amazing. And so this is always great for all of us to do for other people. At any rate, 
So I went there. I studied. I researched. You always have to do your homework and find out what they need. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I was really very prepared. And um, Dr. Valeria Lovelace, who became the assistant vice president of Sesame Street Research, was there as the director of research at that time. And I said, well, I hear you need a bibliography. I hear you need this and that. And she went, oh, my gosh, can you start as an intern in the summer? Wow. And again, <laughs> you know, the, you have to take risks in life. You yes. can't just have it. You have to show them that you really are committed and serious and excited about doing a good job for them. So I spent the summer with at Sesame Street off and on. Uh, let me see. I lived in on the East Coast then. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, from southern New Jersey, it was a two-hour commute one way from door to door. Wow. So that was four hours. But Wow, that is commitment. I mean, commitment to endure a commute like that. It really was, but I was so excited because this was the dream of a lifetime. Oh, I bet. Lucille, I think something else that you've pointed out that's really important that I want our listeners to understand is that there is a lot of effort, a lot of energy, and a lot of work that goes to making a show like Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood work. So can you share a little bit about the behind the scenes of those programs? Yeah, behind the scenes, it was, well, for instance, let me share a little bit of an interview I did with Fred Rogers. And of course, as we all know, he's the creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But this, but I, in doing his show, I had to interview him. It took me a year to gain the trust of his staff because wow. look at it. It's a one man show. Fred Rogers is the creator. Yes. He does the script writing. He does the songwriting. He does the puppeteer and he is the host on the show. Mm -hmm. So without if I didn't get to interview him, I wouldn't have a good feel for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. So in our interview, he puts a lot of thought, a lot of research. He would work with a consultant uh, over the years and also observe children all the time to learn from his, um, he would call the children his teachers and he was the student. Mm -hmm. So in our interview, he Fred began by telling me, he said, Seal, my work is the opposite of superficial. And of course, mm. everybody would agree with that. And he's known to be so sincere. Yes. And then he stated, you know what? And here it was, just this wonderful interview and he couldn't have been more gracious. He said, Lucille, I think the most important thing we can give anybody is one more honest adult in their lives. Oh, wow. Children really need honest adults. At that moment, when you're hearing that for the first time, yeah. what is your reaction? What are you feeling at that moment when you're hearing that from Mr. Rogers? I'm feeling like... 
sitting across from him, I'm feeling so grateful, not only about interviewing him, but he is, you know, what you see on TV is what you get. In other words, yeah, he is the same on and off the screen. Absolutely. And he just goes right into it. And I'm going, oh, wow, what a great conversation this is going to be. And so then he, then all of a sudden, after he said that, he said, children really need honest adults. Then he stopped. And it was quiet. Yeah. And he said, you know, something just came to mind and it won't take but three seconds. But I have to say this. It just seems to me it's so important for people to know that childhood is so much more than clowns and balloons. Mm, Yes. Uh, There are people who feel that's what childhood is all about. And I think it's because they are too afraid to allow themselves to look at their own childhood. Yeah. And then he says, you know, and he sits back and he scratches his head and he says, there are some people who have so much pain in their childhood, they have to cover it up with clowns and balloons. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And it just came. I felt so good. He was feeling comfortable with me and because he could just go on that serious tact. And so I said to him after he said it, I said, "Hmm, you know, is that what you mean when you say on your show, you are special, you are worthwhile to every child? And he said to me, he responded, well, there are many ways to say I love you in this (laughs) life. Oh, I love that. But actually, Lucille, I've got to ask you. Sure. Moving forward, listeners who follow me on social media know that uh, I grew up on Mr. Rogers, and I'm a lifelong admirer of his and his work. And recently, over the summer, I saw the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, twice, actually, in the theater. It's now out on uh, digital, Blu-ray, and DVD. And if you haven't seen it, it really see it, watch it, especially if you have a family, watch it with your family. It is such a beautiful, moving documentary. So I've got to ask you, Lucille, what was it like to meet Mr. Rogers in person? Ah, uh, after a year of <laughs> interviewing everybody around him, so they they would trust me, his whole staff. It was quiet, oh, peaceful. Mm calming, loving. I would say I was pretty alert to maybe what he would say in our interview, because what I had learned about him, what's so beautiful about him is when he's being interviewed by a person, he will, um, if you mention something about yourself, like all of a sudden I mentioned something about myself in the interview, he will turn the tables uh, around. Marie uh, Lackis, 
mentions this about him. He will turn the tables around and he'll start interviewing you <laughs> and bringing out what was maybe painful to you mm. or what you're trying to say. So as I'm listening to him and I'm talking to him, I happen to mention something because you get so compassionate yeah. and you get so thankful for this man and he is just there a hundred percent he's hundred percent present so i said something and then all of a sudden i noticed he turned it around and he started saying lucille what do you mean by that what happened to you mm. and so i answered his question very very nicely and quickly. And then because I was prepared for that, because what can happen is you'll be talking to yourself and all of a sudden Fred Rogers is listening to you and he's your counselor. So <laughs> as soon as he said that, I answered him. And then I said, well, may I ask you one other question? Because this Marie Lacus has interviewed Fred Rogers a number of times mm -hmm. and she has said, all of a sudden, you're in the room talking to yourself, and he <laughs> is invisible. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. And Lucille, I am curious to ask, was there, in visiting Mr. Rogers, was there one aspect that was uh, surprising to you or something that uh, you discovered that was really, really interesting about the show? Oh, wow. Um, I think it is, they're not at all doggy dog. And I know people think of a children's program as not um, competitive, but some some of them can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of the people can lose their temper and things like that. It's a, I mean, we're all human beings. Sure. But nobody, but nobody at, at any time did they lose their temper. They were so patient with me. They were so giving and they just, and if I asked them something, um, they were right there, but it was like, it was like, um, it was on a, such a professional level and so sincere and so reflective of Fred Rogers and his temperament and his calmness and his sincerity and giving love. The whole staff was like that. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. That is yeah. such a great, great share. I really appreciate it because, uh, you know, I think Mr. Rogers has become such a part of our mythos, such a part of our culture. And I recently wrote an article for beyondtheinterview.com in which I talked about how so many of us see him on a, almost a superhero level. So to hear that, he really was like he was on television in person. That is something so special, so rare. And it I it really fills me with awe and joy to hear that. And I so appreciate you sharing that with our listeners today. Oh, my pleasure. Because after I, and I, it wasn't a long interview, but it was chock full of a lot of information. But after I finished- yeah. He even autographed a beautiful postcard of him to me. Oh, my gosh. I'm jealous. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, I wish I could get I wish I could get you one, John. Oh, no. Just the fact that you would even say that means so much to me. 
sharing those memories with with me and with moving forward listeners that means the world to me and i so appreciate you doing that well lucille we're going to switch gears now and i'd like to talk to you a little bit about your work in educational media and i'd love to get your insights on where you think things are going in the age of digital and social media you know i wrote my first book um, Secrets from Sesame Street's Pioneers. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't realize I could write. I just knew <laughs> that they had given me, all these beautiful people had given me great in-depth interviews for my dissertation. And I needed to get it out, all this information. I needed to disseminate it in a book form. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, gee, wouldn't it be great um, to, to get more TV majors, I was thinking, gee, they must be automatically interested in children's television. I mean, after the 49 year success of Sesame Street, um, and its impact on everyone's lives, I'm thinking, gee, they must be lining up to do some more children's television which is what we need. And I'll get to social media in one second. Sure. But I want to explain this. So um, my audience for that book, and it's, it's a bit scholarly and it will go into libraries because it's a good reference, Mm -hmm. but it was for um, graduate students majoring in television. So I visited some campuses and I talked to a couple of universe, uh, head professors at universities and television. And um, not a lot. They all want to be on the late show. They're not really interested in children's television because apart from Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and Captain Kangaroo, it still does not have the um, clout or the power or whatever in the TV field. But um, so I thought to myself, gee, Sesame Street is celebrating its 50th anniversary next year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. And I said, gee, you know, And I wrote this in my book. I updated the Inside Secrets of Sesame Street. I said, you know, we need a lot of dedicated people in this field to help children grow up in a healthy way on television. You know, we can teach, as Ted Rogers would say, I would want children, I want to show that children can grow up in a healthy way using television. Like Sesame Street wanted to use television to educate. So, unfortunately, what I found is there aren't a lot of, there isn't out there a lot of encouragement for graduate students to go into children's television. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was really um, a shocker, but that leads me into kind of um, inspiring more and more graduate students. I did a slide program that I'll eventually go to the universities and show and just as a presentation and kind of hopefully get them 
interested or inspired in television. In terms of social media today, it's a wonderful tool. Mm -hmm. It is wonderful. Um, You can, the, the role I see social media mainly is engaging people. Yes. And that is the big thing. Not really, you don't want to talk about yourself. You just want to, for instance, when I um, ask Kara, who is my social media person and myself, we do the work together and I'll say, you know, you want to put up like, um, well, who's your favorite Muppet and why? (laughs) And what made you keep coming back to see Fred Rogers? What made you keep? Coming back more, would you like to answer that, Sean? Yeah. What was it about Fred Rogers that made you keep coming back? It was a feeling every time. And uh, I was a latchkey kid growing up, so both of my parents worked. And sometimes Mr. Rogers would be the only friend, especially after a long day at school. It was a feeling of being at home, uh, being in the same neighborhood for that half hour being with Mr. Rogers in his neighborhood, hearing what he had to say and learning the lessons that he had to teach, it felt like home. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing. And what's interesting is, and I've written articles on this, during different periods of my life, Mr. Rogers would come and go. I mean, obviously during my teen years, I wasn't so much into the show anymore. But when I was in college, grad school, and even beyond that, there were events happening both in my life and in the world. And I would come back to Mr. Rogers. I would see a quote of his on social media. I would turn on an episode on Amazon Prime, since unfortunately they're not in syndication anymore. And it would feel like coming back home. Oh, it does. And you know what? You're not alone. (laughs) Yes, I would agree. Lucille, given all the changes that have occurred in media, where do you see children's television and programming going in the future? Well, um, there certainly are some, certainly they'll expand it to um, not only preschoolers, although that's such a great uh, time. I see that um, because of Sesame Street, we can do all sorts. We can show children that learning is fun, even though they know it's fun at the preschool age and as second graders, they're so enthusiastic. And then sometimes they lose it. I think it's just to keep in the forefront on so many ways and different ways Mm -hmm. um, that learning is fun. Yes. It's just interesting. And um, I've seen, for instance, the head writer, at Sesame Street, Norman Stiles, who I worked under, and he just have did a beautiful script on when Mr. Hooper died and the workshop decided not to say he had just left or gone away or retired or went on vacation, but they decided to be honest with uh, their target audience and say, hey, you know, this is death. And let's talk about it. Yes. Well, Norman Stiles did Between the Lions or Between Two Lions, which is a library show. He left Sesame Street and it's for 
uh, an older group, seven, eight, nine years old. And it had all the elements of Sesame Street, but it was for an older age. Mm. And I think it's very good to do to keep it going. Yeah, yes. we have preschool in place, then we want to get first, second, third grade, and then we want to get fourth, fifth, and sixth. And there have been shows, of course, the workshop tried to do those uh, shows for older kids and it didn't always work out. But we learn from our mistakes and there's plenty of talented people that have worked at Sesame Street that, like myself too, that can just go on and start creating. And what you have to do is just start creating. I love it. Don't. Yeah, you don't need anything big. You just have to say, I'll do it. When I sat down to write my first book, not knowing I could write a book, <laughs> I said, do it. Yes. And that's all I did. I love it. And Lucille, that actually leads me perfectly into my next question. And I'm excited to talk to you about this because with the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Mr. Rogers has sparked a lot of different conversations. And what I see in conversations with friends that I've seen the movie with and all over social media is a dual-sided conversation. On the one hand, a lot of people are celebrating his legacy and his impact. And on the other hand, at the same time, people are asking, would Mr. Rogers still work today? Would he still be relevant in this age of social and digital media? And I would love to hear your thoughts on that question. It's a beautiful question. I had such fun looking at this question. Mm. And really, oh, I love great questions. You know, it's always the questions <laughs> that make things. So Mr. Rogers is still relevant today because love is all you need. Mm. And Fred Rogers and all the ways he says, I love you. Yes. Such as through his caring, his undying, enduring respect for childhood. He reminds us of the power of love. Yes. And you have to remember in that documentary, which I was so happy to see, Fred Rogers, when 9-11 happened, Fred Rogers was brought out of retirement. Mm -hmm. Once again, but this time it was really crucial. And I can remember his face and his seriousness as before he went on the air to give us hope during 9-11. And what he said is, and it's so true with him, he's so resilient. Again, he reminded us in the midst of hate, love still reigns. Mm. And he did that so beautifully. Yes. And so if you always remember that the power of love will always surpass anything else, you're home free. That's all you have to know. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. 
You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. So, Lucille, I'd like to ask, what is next for you? Oh, this, I love this question. You know what's next for me? (laughs) (laughs) Is having fun, spreading joy. (laughs) What a great, great answer. (laughs) I absolutely love it. I do, because what I mean is, Let's have fun being nostalgic about Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And, you know, we can all remember, just as you told me how uh, Fred Rogers impacted your life, we can all sit back and think about how... How you are the person today, how this show contributed to you being who you are today. Mm. The other thing is Jim Henson, mm-hmm. and I talk about him in my book, and I happened to see him a month before he died. It mm. was just happenstance, and I was at uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and he was there too. But at any rate, Jim Henson always said, and he's the creator of the Muppets, just mm-hmm. to remind everybody yes. uh, who can forget. But anyway, life is meant to be fun and joyous. Wow. And, you know, he practiced this. by Actually, showering- Lucille, I, that is such an important statement. I'd uh, love for you to repeat that. Would you mind doing that for yeah, our listeners? Yeah, sure. Jim Henson said, life is meant to be fun and joyous, and fulfilling. Mm, What a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. I love it. Lucille, how can our listeners connect with you and learn about all the wonderful work that you're doing? Well, you know, they can connect with me. Um, Well, I'm having a new website um, being done. Oh, wonderful. But um, yeah, but they can also connect with me via email, or um, social media. I'm on there all the time. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, you know, the thing I, I want to say to them is, and I'll be doing presentations and talking, but mostly via social media. And then, you know, if they want my address uh, or phone number, we can start with email. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very accessible. I'm right here to help everyone because I get such pleasure out of it. And um, so I thought too, you know, um, as Henson showered us with the Muppets and I've already connected with people about Kermit the Frog and (laughs) Cookie Monster and Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, you know, and these are only a few. And, you know, Henson makes us laugh with the Muppets until our cheeks ache. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, really. And then Fred Rogers comes in with his sincerity, and he makes us believe in love. Yes. So between the two of them, um, what I would like you to do is you can pick up the Inside Secrets of Sesame Street. It's, it's a pictorial book full of nostalgia. And it covers not only Sesame Street, but Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and Captain Kangaroo, too. Mm. But more importantly, you might want to get it on an ebook 
And you, um, I can give you the link. I don't have it right here with me, mm-hmm. but it's on iBooks. And it's called The Inside Secrets of Sesame Street. And it costs $7. And it's, it's better, I think, on an ebook because it's cheaper. The printed book, we're trying to get it down in price a little bit more. But at any rate, um, it's not as um, inexpensive as the ebook. But whatever you choose to do, because you see, the printed book is almost like a, a semi coffee table book. So it's very pictorial, and it'll bring back all the Muppets and all the fun memories you had, the visual memories you had. So you might want the book, or though you might want the ebook. And moving forward, listeners, we'll have links to both options on the write-up. Well, Lucille, I would love to have you close out the show. So share some parting wisdom with our moving forward listeners. I would say, hmm. Okay, this is going to be a little departure. I would say that when I was writing my book, uh, one of the things I found out and doing my study on these three programs, one of the things I found out is the reason these shows were so successful is everyone loves their work. Everyone loves their work. They can't wait to get to work and everything else. Now, it doesn't... These are normal people. Um, They go to work. Um, I'm a normal person. Everybody is. What I want to say, the parting thought I want to leave you with is if you're going to a job that you don't like, isn't making you jump out of bed in the morning and isn't fulfilling your soul, then please, and I say this in the book, please persevere change jobs because you owe it to yourself to have every day be the happiest day of your life and for you to feel fulfilled in what you're doing. Uh, Lucille, what a beautiful, beautiful way to close out the show. I love that sentiment. Uh, And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today to share your story, your background, a little bit of insights into educational media and some memories of what it was like to get to know Mr. Rogers. I mean, that is a gift that I will treasure always. Lucille, thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I'm so glad I could communicate to you. And if I could, you know, bring him to you, well, he's being brought to you now. So he's yes. alive and well, and he's the same person you see on the screen. So when you see Won't You Be My Neighbor, enjoy. Absolutely. One more time, check it out, Moving Forward listeners, bemovingforward.com. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, at bemovingforward. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. Have a great week, and remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.